Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Mental Sweet Spot podcast. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. If you're a podcast returner, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm Melanie Rushing and I'll be joined shortly by Alicia Smith with our first of three interviews with some fabulous members of our dream team. Today we discuss our guest's experience with the mental game as a player and a coach, how we can better coach the mental game, and other bonus topics including talking less and listening more. Today's freebie is an infographic, 10 reasons we might not be 100% today. More on that at the end. This episode is brought to you by our free workbook, The Softball Coach's Guide to Crafting Your Dream Season. We say that softball is 90% mental, but it's not that easy to implement the mental game 90% of the time. Or can it be? Let us guide you through crafting your dream season by showing you how to implement the mental game every day without it feeling like one more thing you have to do. To get your copy of the workbook, simply head to mentalsweetspot.com and click Yes, I Am. Now let's get to the show. Today's guest is one of the members of our newly formed dream team. If you haven't heard us mention it on social media, we've joined forces with some amazing people to help bring our message and resources to more coaches, players, and parents. She's a sports mom of eight active kids, has coached softball for many years, and played D1 ball back in her day. We lovingly refer to her as our Yoda, as she shares all of her wisdom with us. She is just as laid back and beautiful as her home state of Hawaii. We are so excited to share the stories and insights of Stacy Mahoy. Hey, you guys are some of my favorite people on earth as well, even if I don't refer to you as Yoda yet. <laughs> we well, haven't earned that title. <laughs> I like to refer to her as the voice of reason. <laughs> and I like to refer to you, Alicia, for probably for forever as my elder. So it's all good. <laughs> I deserve that. I deserve that. I love it. So let's get going. I have been so excited to get you on here. You were the second person ever to ask to interview me, and I was so nervous. And then we got to talking, and I swear I could have gone on for hours. Yes, that was fantastic. It was so good. You just have so much good stuff. So I can't wait to now flip the interview and ask a little more about your background and how you got into all this. So I guess first things first, when and how did you first learn about this thing called mental toughness? I was just thinking, like, I don't even know if there's like a line, you know, a starting point, um, because I feel like we are all, whether we realize it or not, learning about developing the skill and, and so on, like just through life or just through participation in sports. But as I think back, there's definitely, I think, two specific things that happened that allowed me to further develop mental toughness. And number one was playing um, for my dad. So having my dad as a coach. And it's not because he was a bad or hard coach or anything like that. It's just the dynamic, right, of having your dad being your coach and kids naturally, I think we kids just naturally want to be like loved and accepted by their parent. And so even when parents say things that are helpful um, in positive ways or, you know, not intended to be super critical or anything like that, like, or even personal as a kid, you just tend to take it that way, regardless of how, you know, it was intended. So that was hard. Um, and I felt like, if you can learn to play for your dad, you can learn to play for just about anyone. And then I had a really tough high school coach and um, super old school, right? Like super just hard, like actually use swear words in practices and all that stuff, like stuff that lots of coaches probably couldn't get away with now. And I felt like 
at the time, I felt like I learned very little about the game, like about softball. I didn't feel like there was a lot of that being taught in practice necessarily, but it was an experience that definitely allowed me to develop mental toughness and resiliency just because it was a difficult situation to play in. And I had heard going into high school in my freshman year that I heard stories. I heard stories of really great athletes quitting the sport because of this coach. And at the beginning of the, my first season there, it, the thought did cross my mind. It really did. Like the two times I ever thought about quitting softball was when I played for my dad and when I played for this coach. <laughs> and, and it was just, I was, it just was at a point where it was like, I wasn't having fun. It wasn't fun. I was just, you know, um, it was just not an invigorating, energizing, fun experience. And so I thought about it um, briefly, pretty much just for about 24 hours. And I realized that this is the game that I love to play. Like, this is what I love to do. And I want to play in college. And at the time, there wasn't like a lot of travel ball stuff going on. So high school is pretty much it, right? Like, that was your pathway. And so I just decided, made a conscious choice that no matter what this coach did or said, no matter how he coached or whatever, that I wasn't going to let him take away something I love to do. And I wasn't going to let him get in the way of what I really wanted to accomplish and where I wanted to go. And I think that that was part of our team's success was that I, I'm pretty sure just about every player on the team had to, at some point, make a conscious choice to be there and do their thing and have fun and work together no matter what, like no matter what um, we thought of the coach or his methods. Um, and so after that, like even playing in college, um, the coaching there I felt was actually better and not as difficult, even though I had teammates who felt like our college coach was really tough. And um, after having the high school coach that I had and, you know, it just wasn't a really big deal. But I think one thing that made it simpler toward the end of my high school career was that you really did see that even though the methods may not be things that I agree with, even though I didn't think that the actual coaching going on was that great, um, this coach really did care about us and about what we were doing and really did want us to succeed. It's just, that was what he knew. That's what, what he was raised with. That was what he was coached with. And you know, that was the best that he could do. And that was, you know, that was just kind of how things were at the time. So it was a good experience and I'm very thankful for it in hindsight. Um, and I realized that that was probably more important for me to learn at that period because the softball stuff, I feel like the skills and drills part's easier to learn. You just keep doing reps, right? You keep doing different drills and you keep getting coaching and you just keep doing it over and over. But like the mental part is... I, I feel like not quite as easy for coaches to get across or it's just not something that, you know, we're really taught to teach others, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's that. So it's really interesting that you use the phrase old school and I totally know what you're talking about. And I actually came across someone on social media who was like, hey, I'm older. Don't put us all in that school <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you're right like for lack of a better term right I know that people kind of get the gist of what that means um just by saying that but I totally get that too because yeah 
But I would love to hear like some of the things that you see now because you've coached for a while and you can really like I do all the time. I compare the coaches I had and the way I coached and other things that I see. What in that old school, quote unquote, style did you feel was really the thing that I don't know that you guys didn't click with that didn't work <laughs> that you would suggest not well, doing anymore? Yeah, so well, and said the bar. Okay, I'll give you an example. Um, there was this one game where, first of all, our coach wanted us all to hold the bat the exact same way, right? So it was different from what I was used to. That's, you know, to be expected. It was uncomfortable, all that jazz, which is fine. And I, I was, you know, I did my best to try to do what they asked of us. Um, but I kept popping the ball up. Like I kept hitting fly balls and I was like, I don't know how to hit a line drive if I start here like if I start with my hands this way like I don't know how to get to the ball and hit it square and without really teaching us how all the instruction instruction if you can call it that I got was you better stop hitting the ball in the air I'm going to sit you on the bench and I was like okay great you know cool but if that's the case that I'm just going to do what I know how to do because I don't know how to do it your way and you're not telling me how to do it your way you're not like teaching it to me so you know, I just ended up going up to bat and doing what I knew how to do and not really holding the bat the way that everyone was being told to hold it. And I started hitting the ball better, which kept me in the game. And never again was I told to hold the bat a certain way. But <laughs> it was just that whole thing of like, it was just a threat, right? There was no actual teaching of, well, here's how to do that. It was just, you better do this or, or you know, you don't play. Mm -hmm. So it's just that do this, don't do that. Here's the penalty if you don't do it with zero actual instruction or coaching on how to make that happen, which happens a lot in general in our society and coaching not so much. I think now it's much better. Um, I think a lot more coaches are a lot more educated. There's a lot more ways for us to get resources to tap into, you know, videos or tutorials or books and podcasts and all these cool things that we have nowadays that we can really expand our knowledge much simpler and easier and faster than coaches, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Wait, am I that old? Wait. <laughs> nope, nope. Five coaches years ago. ago. Right. They were very limited in the resources that they had around them. So I think now there is a lot more information out there. There are a lot more coaches who are ready and willing to learn. And so I do see a lot more teaching. I do see a lot better understanding of what it actually means like what you're even supposed to be doing in a swing I don't think I got any of that really until college like really good instruction on how to execute a good swing it was just like well swing level right that's a, the tech kind of cues that we had swing level don't cast stop sweeping but I'm like how I don't even understand what that means I don't know what that looks like I don't know what I'm supposed to look like I don't know what that feels like you know and so I think now there's you know, coaches in general do a lot better job because we've got lots of cool hitting tools. We've got lots of cool resources. And I think there are a lot of good coaches out there who are eager to learn and tap into as much of those resources as they can. And they do a good job. Yeah, I totally agree there. And I, I caught myself like, I don't want to ever encourage bashing coaches because right. even you said it looking back, like you, you knew he cared and he wanted good things for you. It's just, we don't realize 
all of the things that go into coaching. And if you don't have those tools and that information, and there's a ton of it, like we have mm -hmm. a lot more access now, but it's still a lot to go through. It could easily, easily fall off. <laughs> and overwhelm, right? Mm -hmm. And some information contradicts other information. And how do you sort through what's going to work or what's quote unquote right or what's helpful for your team and what's not yet? Or, you know, there's a lot to consider definitely when taking in information. Because one thing I see happening a lot now is that coaches will see a drill that's posted on Facebook or social media and be like, oh, that's a cool drill and it looks cool. And they just try to copy it into their own practice without really understanding what the point is, how it's helping, why it's working for that team, that player, that coach, you know, without really understanding the core concepts behind it. And they think that they can just plug it in and get the same result. And that's kind of not how things work. <laughs> you can't just copycat it and expect yeah. it to work exactly the same for you as it, done, as it does for someone else if you don't have the understanding of why it's working. Totally agree there. That's a really good point. And I think, Stacey, that's some of the things that we heard, you know, a lot from a lot of coaches that we've talked to is similar to what we're talking about here, right? With mental toughness, they know it's important. Mm -hmm. um, it may pick up a book or something and try to read that book or have their team read that book. But the next steps on making the connection into how you, how you work that into your practice is what I think coaches are really struggling um, on how to do. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's really the same along those lines with that, with the mental toughness too. For sure. And I think I know as a coach, which I'm not doing anymore, but um, as a coach, one thing that is sometimes tough is that you have all of the physical aspects of the game staring you in the face that clearly need to be fixed, right? Because of errors mm -hmm. that happen in the game or because of a breakdown in whatever that's happening physically, hitting, fielding, throwing, all of that stuff, coverages, this and that, that it's super easy to just get sucked into fixing all of that. And I do feel like a lot of coaches just have no idea how to incorporate working the mental game consistently and in a way that makes sense and doing all of that other stuff. Cause I think there are a lot of coaches out there who feel like you don't even have enough time in a season to go over all the things you want to go over. So then they're having to try to prioritize, well, what does my team need most now? And while other things may be glaring, it's like, you know, certain things have to be done first. And I think that some feel criticism of if you actually spend time on the mental game, which sometimes doesn't include actually picking up a ball, Mm -hmm. um, there are definitely ways to work it into drills and all that. I'm sure you guys are well, you know, well aware of that and know how to help coaches do that. But there are times when there, there are helpful exercises or whatever that don't actually include a bat and a ball that coaches want to take time to do, but yet feel pressure of why are you wasting your time with that? These kids need to be throwing the ball. These kids need to be hitting the ball. Like, you know, they need to actually play the game to learn how to play the game. And so it, it's, it's not an easy thing to navigate, you know? Right. And I, even with the experience that I have, I still fall into that trap sometimes of, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, we did not practice the first and third defense enough. Right. Or, <laughs> oh, our bunt defense isn't very strong. So we need to, so, so what I found was really helpful for me is I'm a very detailed practice winner. And I mm -hmm. put it, you know, it's a detail of um, not only the time and the drill and what we're doing, uh, who, you know, who's going to partner with who that day, how, how the rotation works. So it's all there 
in front of my face, but I also have added that time into my practice plan dedicated to that 10 to 15 minutes discussion yeah. that we have, right. Yeah. For, for, which is important to, to also talk about it as a team and then kind of highlight on my practice plan, what drills are going to be the focus of that particular word of the week or, or whatever we're focusing on. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's one of the number one things that's helpful. And, and even working with a lot of the teams here over the last few months, um, Oh, I forgot to, I forgot to be consistent with talking about the kids goals or whatever it, it may be. And the answer always is write it down in your practice plan, because if you Absolutely. actually dedicate time, right. To, to putting that in your plan, that is so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely build that time into your, your schedule that you create, right? That's definitely something that that can help with that. And then there are those times when it's like one drill just goes crazy and you're like, oh, we need to spend more time with this. But, you know, I mean, that's definitely like the simplest way, I think, mm-hmm. to make it more of a consistent priority is just to right. you've got to schedule it in. Right. And the other thing I found, too, is um, I ask my kids all the time, what do you feel like you need more of? And Mm. they will be honest with you. And a lot of times it doesn't really align with what you think they need. So, you know, I've had some really good kind of eye opening discussions with my team sometimes right in the middle of season. Like, I really think you guys need this and this. We're like, no, coach, we we just want that. And I listen Mm. to them and then try to really make sure that I. I'm empathetic to what they're saying and, and try to incorporate. And when I incorporate what they really need, it's like a breath of fresh air for them. And I think that that's another thing too, that you can, you can still stick to that practice plan, but if you're kind of asking them one, how they're feeling, uh, Mm -hmm. if they're just flat out exhausted, there's going to be a level of practice. That's not going to be there if you have a higher expectation. Mm -hmm. And maybe that might be a good day to spend a little bit more time talking or on a notebook or whatever you're working on. And two, they're really, they're really in tune with the types of uh, physical skills that they need as well. Right. And, you know, I think sometimes even just asking them, like, what are you worried about right now? Like, what's on your mind, especially if you've had a rough game or whatever, or maybe a rough, you know, couple of weeks or whatever it might be, or even if it's going well, but just asking them, you know, we've got this coming up. I know this is coming up. I know we've been through this. You know, what's on your mind right now? What are you, is there anything in particular that you feel like you're worried about? And let them tell you. And I definitely feel like there is value in taking that into consideration and then somehow incorporating it or building it into the practice that you're probably going to do anyway. But sometimes it's just little tweaks that make them feel like, okay, this thing that I was really worried about has been addressed. I'm good Mm -hmm. to go, you know, and um, it's really, it goes a long way to building some some trust too. So that's definitely uh, something that's been useful for me as well. I totally agree. And, and I'm glad that, you know, I'm not alone when I feel that way, because I think sometimes we as coaches, like you mentioned earlier, we get so lost in the details. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sometimes is that disconnect that I think a lot of coaches are feeling with their teams. They don't feel connected because they're just not simply asking. Right. Yeah. And and sometimes it's like, you know, you know, you've done all the drills, you know, they've got the talent or the skill. And it's like something's just not clicking. I think that's a really good time to ask them what's on their mind, right? Because if you're doing all the things and you know that they can do it because you've seen them do it, but for some reason it's not translating, um, there's there's something going on there. And sometimes it just helps to ask. And, you know, it can be something really tiny that it's like, man, we're letting that hold us back. Like, But, you know, you don't know unless unless yeah. you ask. So sometimes it's just a little thing that for whatever reason 
really doesn't need to be a problem, but for them, it's it's just something that's holding them back. So if you can help them address that and help them remove that worry or that fear, it makes things a lot better for everyone. I love where you're going with that. And I know you've gotten really good at this now. I don't know how long it took you, but you are, this is why I call you Yoda. You are really <laughs> good at picking up on those cues, noticing and going right away to like the most direct and beautiful question. But I probably would never be that good at that. It will take me a while. Well, maybe but ask any of my girls. It was always you know? like, hey, how's it going? You good? <laughs> <laughs> no, just have eight kids. You'll get better at it. Yeah, right? Eight awesome kids. I got one. He's daily in the background making noises because he's on his YouTube and he's mad. I have daily opportunities where things get kind of nuts and it's like, okay, wait a minute. What is going on here? You know, and I've tried to just like, no, we're doing this and this is my plan and I've got it all figured out and this is where we're going and just trying to make everyone go that way. And it's like, it's just, my kids have been the Oh, something's going on there. But my kids have been really instrumental in helping me realize that, like, that's just not the way that it always works. I think it's important to be a strong leader and to have that direction and that vision. But um, really paying attention to what's going on with your children or your players or your team in the moment and connecting with them. It's super important. Alicia, I love that you, you focus and you emphasize that connection so much because they really do have answers, too. Like, sometimes we're, like, you know our brain is exploding and we're like what's going on and we don't know and sometimes all we need to do is ask and um kids are smart you know kids are smart and sometimes we underestimate how much they know how much they're aware of what they've observed what they're feeling and and um i think the more that we honor their input and you know their thoughts and feelings the more they do the same in return and um it can be a beautiful thing I totally agree with you. And I think it's, it's the trust thing you brought up earlier. It's, it's how you start to develop that relationship and that trust with your players. But when you talked about kids, I think for me, it's helped me become a better mom because I've been coaching much longer than I've been a mom. And I think that being in tune with my, my players and their thoughts and feelings and asking them and talking to them has helped me understand that same, that same role, I guess, you know, as a mom and trying to be really in tune with my daughter's thoughts and feelings and, and validating that as well. And I think that that being a coach for so long has actually helped me in that, in that spot or in that area as, as a mom. That's cool. That's awesome. I love that. I think we can have like five episodes on this. So be prepared <laughs> for bringing you back. Um, but for right now, can you give some tips for coaches who at least want to start getting better especially at this communication piece. Cause you even started with that. Like the feedback you were getting was not helpful. Like, mm-hmm. There's criticism, like what you did wrong, fine. But then like, you gotta be able to give them something to work with. Like you said, I think we're getting a lot better, but then like on the days where they're just not getting it or something is just off and you can tell, what are some tips for coaches to like break down that communication barrier when they're not as comfortable with it yet? I think, um, one thing that I'm really still working on quite a bit and I think is very common for newer coaches is that we go into this leadership position feeling like we are the givers of all this information, right? We're just going to like throw all this great stuff at them and hopefully they catch some of it and like, <laughs> we learn something along the way. Like, you know, we're just like tossing it all out there. Um, and 
as I've gotten a little older, as I have coached longer, as I've listened to people who I think are fantastic leaders, um, one thing that keeps coming up over and over and over again is, you know, the ability to listen, to talk less and listen more. And sometimes that feels so counterintuitive or like that's not coaching if you're not talking, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think listening is is a big deal. And in the in the middle of a drill where it seems like, well, this isn't working, this isn't going, they're not getting it, that doesn't seem like it would help. But I think just maybe bringing everybody back in, going back through like, well, what is the point to begin with, right? What are we, what are we trying to do to begin with? And sometimes the outcome that you get in that practice session, just remembering that sometimes the outcome isn't going to look exactly like what you want it to look like or the perfect, you know, outcome, the perfect, like, okay, now we got this 100%. I can see it. Sometimes it's all that's going to happen is progress. All that's going to happen is a deeper understanding, even if they can't execute it yet. And so I think being willing to accept that and be aware of the progress that is being made, even if it's not turning out exactly the way that you wanted and the outcome of the drill, they're not quite getting it the way that you wanted them to get it. Um, so first of all, I think it's just acknowledging the progress that is happening, even if it doesn't look the way that you thought it would. And then I think it's just really important to get back to them going like, what are you guys having a hard time with? What part is confusing you? You know, just asking some questions that allow them to give you some feedback. Because a lot of times what we try to do is we just try to give them more without taking the time to even see where the breakdown is to begin with. And we just yes. join more stuff hours back. and hours just right. amongst the coaching staff trying to figure out what do they need? Yeah. And so you just keep throwing this and that and this. And then sometimes it looks like a light bulb is about to go on and then you say something else and then they're just total confusion again. <laughs> it's like information <laughs> overload is going on on top of not understanding it to begin with. So I think sometimes we just need to slow down and maybe even just break it back down to the most basic thing and being willing to build from the ground up. Even if you feel like I shouldn't have to do this, we should know this already. We should be past this. There's a lot of shoulds that get in, in the way of just being present in that given moment and taking a look at what do my players need right now. And sometimes there's other stuff going on off the field, right? That's affecting the practice day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they've got finals coming up. So their brain is just not there. Maybe you're trying to get them to do some drill that really takes a lot more of their mental energy that they did just don't have because they've been cramming or they just had three hours of testing or whatever the case may be. Right. So being cognizant of like what else could be going on that's affecting this practice that I'm not maybe taking into consideration and how can I potentially change the way that I'm delivering it, whether it's tone, whether it's words, whether it's the whole demonstration of it, what, whatever it might be, um, that is allows me to meet my team or my players exactly where they're at right now in this moment, even if yesterday they were somewhere else right maybe the, all week they've been way up here and it's like yeah. everything's Where working go? right and then today it's like not and you're so frustrated about the gap that you're missing out on the opportunity to just meet them where they are right now here today and work with them from there because really what other choice do you have you're they're not up here where they were yesterday and so if you keep trying to go there or co coach them from there there's going to be a disconnect there's going to be a gap so being willing to really take a moment, take a deep breath, take a step back, 
and look at how, okay, where are they right now? How can I meet them where they're at, at this moment and just work from there? And again, it might not look exactly the way you had envisioned or wanted, but progress will be made if we get better and better at just seeing what the need is right now, meeting them in that moment and working with them from wherever they may be at any given time. And that can be hard to do in a team setting, especially if it's like just one or two people who are having that off day and everyone else is like super high versus like the whole team being kind of blah because, you know, we just came off the tournament weekend or whatever, where there are times when the whole team just kind of needs that breather, like Alicia was saying, right? Where yeah. they're just kind of exhausted or whatever because everyone just went through something similar. Um, and other times it's like most people are at one level and there are just a few that kind of aren't there. So this is, for me, this is where like really good assistants come in so handy because, you know, to be able to kind of take those people aside if necessary or, you know, keep going with practice, but having letting them have their moment to do whatever and then get back into the swing of things. All of that can be really helpful versus having to stop an entire practice for the one or two people that for whatever reason are just having not such a great day. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. So much sense. I love this. Cause one of the things that people throw on all the time that has always bothered me. And I didn't know why I was like, you always give 110%. I'm like <laughs> the, the math kid in me is like, there's nothing over a hundred. You can only get what you have. <laughs> and then there's like, and there's the other saying of, well, at least give hundred percent of what you have which mm -hmm. is awesome. I love that. So like, if I'm having a bad day, I can at least skip all I have of that. Yeah. Then why does all of the ownership have to be on the player? Why can't we throw them a bone, help them out a little bit? Yeah. yeah I mean, I love what you're saying, meet them where they are. Yeah. And we're the ones with more experience, right? More experience, yeah. more maturity, more knowledge, you know, all this stuff. And um, I mean, the least we could do is kind of, you know, help them navigate that right not just be like hey you're supposed to be giving 110 percent or whatever it's like maybe in the grand scheme of that day they are it's just that softball only got two percent exactly <laughs> maybe their other hundred had to go somewhere else because they have something going on in their life or whatever the case may be and um and and i get the whole idea of like when we come here let's be present let's do that like i get that but like the reality is softball isn't the only thing going on in any of our lives. And if we don't acknowledge like the very real, you know, dynamics that are going on or the very, very real situations that people are in, it's really difficult to bring out the best in them when you're only seeing a small bit of who they are and totally disregarding everything else that, that they, they're, they're trying to deal with. And um, I know when I first started coaching, maybe in the first five years or so, it's like, you didn't know you were going to have to be a coach and a teacher and a counselor and a therapist and <laughs> all these exactly. things. But like to be a really good leader, we, we need to acknowledge the whole person. I feel like we're not just the arm or not just the legs or not just the bat that, you know, is beneficial to us or our team, but you know, the whole person and being able to see all the different ways that we can support them so that they can be the best that they can be while they're with us. I love that. I want to end on that note because that was perfect. I want all you coaches listening to take that to heart. And while you're being super gracious for your girls, 
think about this exact same thing maybe re-listen to the podcast and think about it for you too mm-hmm. <laughs> hey there are plenty of days where i did not have 100 percent. yeah my old boss said just put on your coaching armor which we do have to do but still need to give everyone some grace some days meet yeah. each other where we're at and just make some progress as opposed to wasting the whole day worrying about it yeah and it's amazing what happens when you extend that to your team or like for me and my family to my kids mm. like it comes back right so on the yeah. days where i'm needing a little bit more support or they can tell like something's going on you know that coach or mom or whatever isn't at quite like their very best it is amazing how they are able to step up or you know like they are able to extend to you what you extend to them and then it really creates this awesome cohesive like teamwork you know, yeah. we're, we're human Absolutely. beings. We're all going to have days. We're all going to have times when our energy is low or we just made a mistake or we're feeling bad about something or a dog died or, you know, whatever. Like we're all going to have that stuff. And if we can all learn to just extend that grace and work together and be, um, you know, compassionate and all that good stuff, like it, and everybody's doing it, then there really are no weak days where everyone's just falling down because now that one weak link isn't really a problem because everyone's so supported. Yeah. Ah, that's amazing. I love that. That is it for this week. Be sure to grab your freebie, the 10 reasons we might not be 100% today. This infographic serves to remind us of the many real reasons we or our players may not be our usual 100% on any given day. This is not to make excuses for anyone or to condone laziness. It is to remind us that we are human, we won't always have everything to give, and with the right support, we can give all that we have and still make it a productive day. Keep these in the back of your mind when you notice someone who seems a little off and then ask them the question. Many times it just takes someone noticing to help them push through. Other times they may need more support. Either way, you'll make a lot more progress by seeing the full picture. To grab your infographic, head to mentalsweetspot.com forward slash episode 32. Thank you so much for joining us again. We will see you next week with another episode where we introduce you to another Dream Team member. Talk to you soon. Have a good one.